This episode of the Reality Check podcast has been brought to you by my listeners, Patreons, and friends. If you'd like to find out more about how you can support the podcast and get some cool rewards, head over to patreon.com slash Zach P. Phillips. Welcome to the Reality Check podcast. I'm Zachary Phillips. So in today's episode, I've got a poem for you, which I'm going to uh, read out and break down. Um, just a bit of a trigger warning on this one. It is quite intense. So if you're not up for that right now, skip this episode and come back to it. So, the unhappy family. Sure, we seem normal from the outside, but look closer and you will see the crevices and, crevices and cracks appearing in this happy family. Daddy's upright and professional, leaving for work early each day, except he's banging his manager. Yep, he's a closeted gay. It started out as an extortion attempt, the boss abusing his position. Until Dad realised he enjoyed it, now he's happy to be in submission. It's led to promotions and a new corner workspace. Now he's grooming his secretary, putting him in the same place. Then there's my little sister, as cute as a button. But on the first day of school, she was taken as mutton. Her teacher said she was naughty, she was to stay back after class. Told her to write lines, but it was all just a farce. My sister, God bless her, hasn't told a soul. She just cut up her arms and eats to fill the hole. My brother is nice and polite, he always smiles appropriately, but when left alone, he acts demonstrably. He's the reason our cat passed away, and why we no longer have our two dogs to play. He wets the bed and lights garden fires, he once lost his marks, and slashed some car tyres. My big sister is devout, devout, good grades, charity and service, because whether it's in church or the floor, on her knees, she certainly isn't nervous. She almost got caught once in the locker room stall, but her reputation as a, sh- as a saint provided a deceptive shawl. No, she won't go all the way. She's waiting for that special someone, but that doesn't stop her giving all the boys some fun. Now, my mother's a special case. She keeps herself all done up nice, maintaining a pretty house and playing the good wife. But when dad's at work and the kids are all out, she downs some special pills and just lasers about. She's not happy with her life, but isn't sure why. All she knows is that she's planning to die. What about me, you ask? Have I fared any better? Well, I've learnt to keep myself hidden, with silence as my fetter. It's better when I'm ignored and left to my own devices, because if I need them for anything, I have to make some sacrifices. Giving up my dinner is much more preferred than being than to be locked in my room with my screams overheard. This is my family. We keep to our own, never letting people in learning to act the drone. We don't speak up, no one could understand, nor could they do anything, because they won't see it firsthand. Dad's never home, and Mum could be sober for a day. My brother's playing in the backyard, my big sister would just pray. Nor will you see the cuts on my little sister's arms. Like me, she covers her wounds and other signs of self-harm. Besides, we would all defend each other when push comes to shove, because we know the real danger comes from out, outside of family love. Despite all their problems, they've all that I've got, so what else could I do but accept them as my lot? So, that was a poem called The Unhappy Family, and if you want to read that poem, click the link in the show notes and you'll be able to read it yourself. I want to sort of break down this poem. Now, just to be abundantly clear, this isn't my childhood, this isn't my family, I don't have any sisters, like... What I wanted to do with this poem was highlight how cycles of trauma and abuse and neglect get passed down through the family, and how 
despite the, 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 the issues that people face, they tend to keep to themselves. And even when they don't, from the outside perspective, a family can seem quite normal. You know, unless you look really close, unless you have a deep conversation with someone, unless you're very attentive to the signs, things get missed all the time. In my role as a teacher, in my role as a manager, in my role as a martial arts coach, right? All of these roles, I was in direct contact with uh, like kids, with teenagers, with adults. And it, it, it's very easy to just do the job and walk on, you know, deliver the lesson, deliver the contact, um, the context, whatever we're doing, and just keep going. You know, that's the job. I'm here to teach. But maybe it's due to my past, maybe it's due to the stuff that I've gone through or that I'm hyper aware of it or whatever. You know, you look a little bit closer and you can see the cut wounds on the arm. You can see the signs of abuse and the trauma and the issues and the drug use and all of the stuff. Uh, and what I found in, in, in my various roles, I'll highlight to the other teachers, the other coaches, the other workers. And they'll go, huh. Oh. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't see it. They wouldn't be aware of it. Perhaps their eye wasn't in for it. Perhaps they, you know, chose to ignore it. Perhaps they didn't know what to look for. I don't know. All I know is, is that it's very hard to see unless you're specifically looking for it. And particularly so, it, if you haven't experienced it, it's going to be very hard to see yourself. Like, as I've shared, like my past wasn't that great. So when I see people with issues and struggling and doing the things that I used to do to avoid the confrontation and the discussion and the communication about the the issues, it's, you know, like there's there's an absolute drive to hide to present an act of normality when i was growing up i didn't want to talk about this sort of stuff i didn't want to share it it was embarrassing it was shameful i didn't want to go deep into the issues that i was facing or the issues that i was coming back home to i rarely shared it and when i did i was either you know to to the 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 adults in my life the teachers the the managers the uh, all of those sort of people it was it wasn't ignored but it wasn't taken with the level of seriousness that would have warranted a change. Because when I started to talk about this stuff, I started with the stuff that I could speak. You know, it's, it's hard to speak everything. Okay, this, this, this whole process, what I'm doing online, is me sort of <laughs> elaborating on that, obviously. But it's, it's very hard to, to come right out and say the most traumatic stuff straight away. The stuff that would be like, you know, doing the red flags to the teachers. You know, as a teacher, if you see something that you're concerned about, you've got a process. But if a child presents something over here, right, and you don't take the steps to sort of investigate, you just think that their issues stop with what they tell you in that first instance. And that's fair enough, right? You know, kids will say certain things and you sort of get this, this idea of working out when it is a serious thing, when it's not, when they're playing with you, when, you know, they're trying to just mess with you, when there is a deeper thing. Like, it's, it's, a, whole, it's a whole setup and it's a whole system. But the, the thing is, is that if you don't, think to push or don't think to ask just a couple of follow-up questions, a, a sort of pseudo-innocuous statement is left at that. And then as the teacher, as the manager, as the person in charge, you're left going, okay, well, that, that was an interesting comment and you walk on. But if you ask a couple of follow-up questions and be like, oh, hey, you said this, you want to tell me a bit more about that? Or, you know, what's going on home, buddy? You're right. And just give them, you know, a couple of minutes to elaborate and talk. They go deeper. And then they might say stuff that's concerning or they might say not like, or they might, they might say stuff that's concerning them, but isn't 
you know, to the level where you have to go through the reporting process, or they might say stuff that's just an anxiety on their head. Who knows? The thing is, is when I started talking about, for example, my father's drug use, I started with the statement that he smokes weed. Now, as an adult who partakes in weed occasionally, if someone said to me, he's like, hey, I, my, my dad does a bit of weed. I know what that's like. I know that it's for most people, for most users of weed, it's fine. Yeah. But for my dad, it that's like, that was one of the many, many symptoms, one of the, the many drugs that he was using, one of the, the whole things like down that path, that that first statement of my dad does weed doesn't, is, 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 is innocuous, right? In the sense that it's not that big an issue. Unless there's more, but I was never sort of pushed to explain the more. I was never sort of pushed to explain that more. Even when I moved out of home at 15, the school knew, people knew, but it was like, they never really followed up. They never really pushed to sort of work out why I moved out of home. I moved out of home with my girlfriend at the time. Perhaps they just assumed that we were, I don't know, who knows, right? The point I'm trying to drive at is, particularly with this poem, is, is that when people are suffering from some sort of trauma, some sort of abuse, some sort of issue internally or externally or whatever, they will block off and choose not to share. And even when they're pushed, it can be this sort of, you have to sort of pull it out of them. Okay. When I'm talking to people, when, when I interact with people in DMs or, you know, coaching reasons and all of that sort of stuff that I do, there's, there's a process where people start to feel more comfortable and start to share. And that takes time. So what I'm getting at with this poem is, is that, you know, each person in this, in this poem from the external quick perspective, they look fine. The dad seems like an upright and professional worker, but he's, you know, he was, you know, basically sexually assaulted into doing his position. It got him some sort of promotion and some sort of thing that was desirable. And then he realized that he liked it and now is pushing that upon someone else. If you only saw him in that professional role, getting up for work, leaving each day, acting, acting the, the businessman, you never assume. The, the little sister who's been abused at school, hides it, doesn't tell anyone, doesn't share with anyone. The brother acting nice and polite, but is actually a sociopath, right? The big sister is, you know, exploring herself and, you know, being quite sexual, but is in that sort of religious suppression style thing where they can't do that appropriately. So she's got no one to talk to about how to handle that sort of stuff. The, the mother is a, you know, depressed drug user, but she can act the part when, you know, when it comes down to it, her house looks nice. So she doesn't seem depressed. She doesn't seem addicted. She's on prescription pills, right? The, 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 the narrator, the main character has learned to keep to themselves to hide, right? The whole family seems fine at a glance, but when you look a little bit deeper, they're clearly not. And I sort of wanted to end the poem talking about how they're going to keep to themselves. They keep to their own. They're never letting people in. They're learning to act. They don't speak up. No one can understand. They'll never see it happening anyway, right? If you're... It, it's very hard to, to, to like speak out if you're a victim of domestic abuse, right? Because who are you going to go to? Who's going to believe you? Do you think people will believe you? Can you show them the evidence? What evidence can you actually show them? People will like, most likely won't see it happening, right? So there's this, this gap between the event and the reporting of it. Right. And beyond that, I wanted to sort of end it with this idea that we'll all defend each other. When push comes to sub, we know the real danger comes from outside of family love. The idea being that, you know, despite all of the problems, 
this is the family that you know. And that family, regardless of how terrible it was, how, how a parent treats their kid is often the way that they assume what love is. So if a parent is aggressive or violent, but gives lots of gifts, oftentimes that's what the kid thinks love is. That's how you act as a parent, right? And that's why these cycles of abuse continue because what you feel like, what was feeling like home to you, that's what you strive and look for. So if someone leaves the abusive home and then they find an abusive partner because that partner presents something to them that is similar to what they felt at home. Maybe not as bad on the abuse perspective, but still this is why people find abusive partners over and over and over again, right? Because what feels like love to them has been distorted by their upbringing, okay? This isn't me blaming the victim for making these choices and decisions. I mean, I've felt that myself. What what I saw represented and modeled to me is my innate sort of blueprint for what, without thinking about stuff, I will sort of start doing. Now, I've spent a lot, a lot, a lot of time and therapy and meditation and introspection and reading and all of this sort of stuff to try and break that cycle and to work out what is right, what I should be doing. But unfortunately, I don't have a strong, stable guidepost to go on. I have to turn to books. I have to turn to strong people online. I have to, you know, turn to a moral code, invent a moral code, right? Find one that suits me that I can start aiming towards so that when I'm interacting with my son, my partner, friends, family, workplace, this is the this is the guidepost that I go on. It's not easy, okay? And when I look back and review the friends um, and the relationships that I've had over the years, I can see strong similarities to a lot of the toxicness that I was exposed to as a child. So I can I can I feel that. It doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't make it. it it's just, it, it is it is a very challenging process to get through. I, I ended the poem saying, despite all the problems, they've all that I've got. So what else can I do but accept them as my lot? Because this is the other thing, right? If you're being abused, if you're struggling, if you're traumatized, you look around and, and yeah, these people are, <laughs> are the cause of, but they're also all that you have. What, what, could, what could a young child, you know, a, a, a five-year-old, a 10-year-old, say or do to protect themselves. Their, their, their knowledge of the world is so limited and restricted, right? That the concept of them escaping, of leaving is, what does that even mean to a five-year-old, right? What does that even mean to a child? It's very, very hard to conceptualize that. So so, so then, then they've got this, this reliance versus abuse, uh, battle going on and until they're old enough to be self-reliant if they get to that stage they're stuck so then it's like well they'll defend and sort of stay in that relationship because that's what they've got i remember a study where they looked at how loyal dogs were and how they would respond to the researchers depending on how they were treated and they had three conditions they had a condition where the researcher treated the dog well every time they were greeted they had a condition where the dogs were hit and abused every time they were greeted by a researcher. And the third condition was a random random uh, situation. Every time the dogs came up, it was a random situation whether the dogs would get abused or treated well. And now the question is, is which of those three conditions, which of the dogs were the most loyal? Which of the dogs stayed by the researcher the most? Ha what happened, right? Well, the dogs that got abused 
or every single time, no love, they were broken, basically. pushed. They hid in the corner. They didn't want anything to do with people. The dogs that were loved felt safe and secure, and they, so they were sort of like free to go off and come back. They knew that whenever they came back, they were loved. The dogs that were randomly abused, randomly loved, didn't quite know what they were going to get, so they were always sort of quite close to the researcher. They were always quite wanting that affection and sort of being around them. They never felt quite safe, but they knew that they may get love, they may not. So they risked it and they stayed close to the whole, like they were sort of coming back, coming back, coming back. Their safety, their security was both abuse and love. I can certainly see some parallels from that experiment to, you know, cycles of abuse in a family. Does that mean that, you know, obviously like an animal study is quite different from uh, people, but there are certain similarities to that. And I'm sure that you can relate to that in some capacity for your own life. When someone, if someone treats you 100% nicely all the time, like there's this, there's this sort of like uh, meme issue, whatever, that girls like bad guys, right? And, you know, the nice guy gets friend zoned and yada, yada, uh, you know, and taken to ex- an extreme, you know, people, there's a, there's a thing called negging where a guy will try and seduce a girl Vice versa, someone tries to seduce someone, but I use guy and girl for this example, and the guy will neg the person, which means that they basically do an insult, or they put them down in some capacity. And the idea being is is that, and then they'll compliment them, they do like an insult compliment, or like sort of a backhanded compliment. And the idea is is that it does a couple of things. It sort of puts them off track, it sort of shocks them a little bit, it makes them realize that or think it sort of increases the attraction because it's like, hang on, why, why don't you just find me beautiful? Why don't you just appeal to me? It gets that person known. It's like this whole, it's this whole sort of psychological process. When you compare that to the guy who just compliments, just compliments, just compliments, just compliments, that person that's just complimenting all the time is creepy. That person who just compliments all the time is unrealistic. Because no one is perfect, and you know it. Like, if someone just compliments me, you're beautiful, you're this, you're that, you're that. I'm like, calm down, buddy. But if they're more realistic, and they're like, hey, you're good at this, but you sort of suck at that. Now I've got a real relationship, in the sense that I know I'm not perfect. I'm not. However, when you take that that concept of negging, and I don't promote you doing this to people, down this path of abuse, right? And you can see that, you know, extreme abuse you know, physical violence, emotional abuse, that whole stuff combined with extreme praise, right? Gifts, lavishing attention, yada, yada. Now you're talking narcissism, right? So that's like this sort of sliding spectrum into that. And then you combine that feeling with this idea of if the person that this, this guy, quote unquote, is targeting has had a father figure who was similar in that approach, abusive, but willing to shower extreme love on the person at occasions. Now, not only are they facing this this negging issue, they're also facing this this idea of like, this feels a little bit like home. And on top of that, they're also going, they've also got self-esteem issues from the abusive past going, oh, well, maybe I can't get any better. And then they've fallen more and more for this person who, you know, their life, you know, if you try and leave, a, leave an abusive relationship, you now have to move houses, you have to change friends, potentially you have to change jobs. It's like, it's a whole process. So with all of that in mind, it can feel very trapping. Who do you go to? Who do you see? And a lot of the times, it's easier just to stay, or it's too hard to leave, or the concept of even leaving seems out of out of 
out of your thought processes completely, right? Or it takes like an extended break to get the person to detach enough to go, hang on, I deserve something better here, right? All of this aside, I want to highlight the fact that if you do recognize some of these traits and you're like, "Mm, I don't like this, reach out, connect to people and talk to them. Go onto Reddit, go onto Facebook and look at uh, forums or subreddits or groups talking about narcissistic partners, talking about cycles of abuse, talking about um, negging and other manipulative strategies that people use to connect with you. If you've, if you've had a history of past trauma, reach out to a therapist, speak to people, because there are ways that you can break this cycle. There are ways that you can talk and, and all of that sort of stuff. For me personally, I suggest speaking to a therapist. I suggest writing therapy. I suggest meditation, right? And I've put up courses and all that sort of stuff on that. So I must suggest that to you. If you, if you recognize this and you want to change, there are ways you can make a change. So with all that in mind, I'm going to read the poem again. Um, like I said, click the link down below to the unhappy family and you'll be able to read along with me. Just as a side note before I read the poem and sign off, if you are enjoying this podcast, I ask a couple of things. Number one, uh, like it, rate and review it. It lets me know that you're enjoying it and it just sort of helps spread the word. And speaking of spreading the word, send this video, this podcast, whatever, in whatever form you're getting this to someone just as a DM, like, hey, you might appreciate this. And that'll start the communication up. So if you know that someone's in a relationship and you've got the relationship with them that you can sort of start bringing it up and you think it would help them, just, just, hey, hey, you might, you might appreciate this. And if you like what you, what I'm doing here and you want to support it, head over to my Patreon at Zach P. Phillips, and there's a bunch of cool rewards, or you can just sign up and support what I'm doing here. So with that in mind, the unhappy family. Sure, we seem normal from the outside, but look a little closer and you'll see the crevices and cracks appearing in this happy family. Daddy's uptight and profession, upright and professional, leaving for work early each day. Except he's banging his manager. Yep, he's a closeted gay. It started out as an extortion attempt, the boss abusing his position, until Dad realized he enjoyed it. Now he's happy to be in submission. It's led to promotions and a new corner workspace. Now he's grooming his secretary, putting him in the same place. Then there's my little sister, as cute as a button, but on her first day of school, she was taken as mutton. Her teacher said she was naughty, she was to stay back after class, told her to write lines, but it was all just a farce. My sister, God bless her, hasn't told a soul, she just cut up her arms and eats to fill the hole. My brother is nice and polite, always smiles appropriately, but when left alone, he acts demonstrably. He's the reason why our cat passed away, and why we no longer have our two dogs to play. He wets the bed and lights garden fires. He once lost his mask and slashed some car tyres. My big sister is devout, good grades, charity and service. But whether it's in church or the floor, on her knees she certainly isn't nervous. She almost got caught once, in the locker room stall. But her reputation as a saint provided a deceptive shawl. No, she won't go all the way. She's waiting for that special someone. But that doesn't stop her giving all the boys some fun. Now mother's a special case, she keeps herself all done up nice, maintaining a pretty house and playing the good wife. But when dad's at work and the kids are all out, she downs some special pills and lasers about. She's not happy with her life, but isn't sure why. All she knows is that she's planning to die. What about me, you ask? Have I fared any better? Well, I've learnt to keep myself hidden with silence as my fetter. It's better when I'm ignored and left to my own devices. 
because if I, if I need them for if, because if I need them for anything, I have to make some sacrifices. Giving up my dinner is much more preferred than to be locked in my room with my screens over, screams overheard. This is my happy family. We keep to our own. Never letting people in, learning to act the drone. We don't speak up. No one could understand. Nor could they do anything, because they won't see it firsthand. Dad's never home, and Mum could be sober for a day. My brother's playing in the backyard. My big sister will just pray. Now if you see, now you'll, nor will you see the cuts on my little sister's arms. Like me, she covers her wounds and other signs of self-harm. Besides, we would all defend each other when push comes to shove, because we know the real danger comes from outside of family love. Despite all the problems, they've all that I've got. So what else can I do but accept them as my lot? <sighs> so, like I said, if you are struggling, reach out, connect, get some therapy, join some support groups, DM me and maybe I can push, push you towards or suggest a couple of pathways that you could take. There are stuff that can help, okay? I, I haven't experienced stuff to this level, but I have experienced some stuff and I would suggest from my experience, you can heal, you can grow, you can um, move on. And if you, if you recognize someone else in this poem, reach out and connect and don't expect them to just dump everything on you in that first instance. Just let them know you're there. Let them know you're there. Let them know you're there. And then perhaps, perhaps they'll um, reach out to you knowing that you're a safe person to do so. So with that in mind, like I said, uh, rate and review the podcast, share it with someone, head over to my Patreon if you want to support what I'm doing here. And yeah, guys, let's stay safe. Cheers. Mm-hmm.